You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name's Deborah Hatswell and you're listening to BBR Investigations. Tonight I have some awesome reports for you from a little man who was chased by a werewolf in Yorkshire to a black creature that lay in wait for a dog. And to start we have Something Disturbed the Dog, September 2021. As you know, BBR's been running meetups for members over the spring and the summer of 21. And our meet at Harrogate, Doug Singleton and Carol Harris encountered a ghoulish girl on their way home. On our recent trip to Sherwood Forest, another member of BBR who camped over with the WIT team had a scary experience during the camp over. A number of members came out to camp or sleep in their cars and vans after the meet. And one of our members, Sam, had an experience with her dog, which was quite unusual. She said, After a walk with the WIT team and fellow member Steve White, we returned to our cars. I think the road we were on runs exactly parallel down to the Sherwood Forest Visitor Centre. Everyone got in their cars to sleep and I got up again about 3.30. My husband, Mark, was setting up the bunk in our car. Myself and our dog, Joe, were leaning against the car waiting for Mark to finish. Joe was constantly growling and he kept looking up and down the hedge which was across the road from us. I was constantly shining the torch up and down as it was a quiet road and very few cars driving past. I couldn't settle the dog. I kept stroking him and assuring him everything was okay. I told Mark and we got into the car and we went to sleep. Joe was more wary at night time walking. But this is the first time that he's behaved in this manner. I'm pleased he was with us that night and we will be joining in on other wild camps to come. And it's definitely safer in groups to wild camps, she said. Well, I'd have to agree with Sam on that one. Uh, I know Steve White had a strange experience with some lights in the forest when he stayed over that night. I'll get that account and I'll bring it to you. So why don't you come out and meet us on the one that we're having in October? It'll be the 30th of October, 1.30. We'll be having it at Beacon Fell Visitors Centre. So pop along and join us for a cuppa. A large cat was also seen in Sherwood Forest. Uh, so I did a little digging after Sam um, explained that experience to me. And I found this report from 10 years ago. And it was a large black cat 
that was seen not too far away from where our members were camping. Now, I am not suggesting what Joe was picking up on was a cat. I'm just trying to give you an example of some of the things that are in the area. Now, we do have wildman reports from uh, Sherwood Forest. A large cat seen in Sherwood 2011. And that witness said, I'd always had these things down as total tosh, but something slunk or jogged across the bridleway. And it was there on the bridleway, running along the edge of the forest field boundary. It just moved wrong for a dog. It wasn't a fox or a domestic cat. It was kind of a dark tan colour with black markings running along its back end to its tail. I didn't see its head. This all happened about 7.15 on a Saturday night. Now, I've done a fair bit of Googling, he said, and I can't find anything obvious for the area to suggest what this could have been. Now, whilst preparing for tonight's podcast, I was contacted by a person who lives very close to the area where the large cat was seen. This witness said, I have something to say, but it's not a Bigfoot or a Wolfman sighting. Many years ago, when I was under five, I'm not sure exactly what age I was, but I know I was five or under, because it was when I was living in Ollerton, and we moved to Hull when I was at school age. So this incident would have been around 1973, or possibly earlier. I remember so clearly having to fight off something that looked like Jack Frost, as it was attempting to come into our house by using the back door. Now, I'd love to be hypnotised, he said, to see if this was a real event or something else. Now, the figure at the back door is very worrying. I mean, what did it want? Was it some kind of spring-heeled jack? Or the creature that left the devil's footprints across the UK, perhaps? I'm often presented with experiences and events that I cannot match, just like the report of Jack Frost. I struggle to find validation for the witnesses, And sometimes the most that I can offer is the hope that someone else out there has had the same or a similar experience, or at least encountered something similar. And it's very important that we share these events. They should not be shelved or brushed aside as they don't fit a certain theory or criteria. The stranger the report, the more digging we should do. Now, the next set of reports are difficult for me to match. And I'm hoping, over time, we can put our heads together and help to find an explanation. I was contacted by a gentleman whose name is Len Penton. And he said, I love your podcast, Deb. And I wondered if you'd like to hear of some experiences of mine. The first one occurred about five or six years ago now. I live just outside Southport in a built-up suburban area. On this particular night, I'd slept in the spare bedroom because my wife had to be up very, very early the next day and she didn't want to disturb me when she got up. I took my phone to bed, which was only a short distance down the landing from our main bedroom. In the early hours, I woke up. Immediately, outside the bedroom window, I heard the most terrifying noise. I find it hard to describe even now. It was a mix between a bird's squawk and something more guttural and almost dog-like, perhaps. I don't really know how to describe it. For sure, I've never heard anything like it before or since and never do I wish to hear it again. And it was loud too. 
What was certain was that it scared me so much that there was no way that I was going to pull a curtain back to look to see what was making that noise. I hear birds on the roof sometimes, quite often, and they can make odd sounds, but this was nothing like that. Not at all. It genuinely scared me, and I'm still not sure why it scared me quite so much, but it did. Then, for some reason, my phone which was at the side of the bed, started to ring my wife's phone, which was next to her. And this really did unsettle me. I somehow stopped it ringing, but almost immediately my phone rang and it showed that it was my wife's phone ringing me back. At that moment, I thought logically that she'd rung me back, but on walking down the landing to where she was, I found that she hadn't rung me at all. I mean, she was awake by now, and I explained to her about the phone and also what had just occurred with the noise. She said she'd heard it outside of a window earlier, and it had scared her too. Now, later that day, she told me that when she looked more carefully at her phone later that morning, she realised there'd been an audio message left from my phone, and on it was the animal sound we both heard outside our respective windows. It disturbed her so much that she immediately deleted it. The incident just really shook her up and she wouldn't talk about it anymore after that. And bizarrely, she now has almost no memory of the incident whatsoever, whilst the incident remains in my mind as clear as day. The second incident took place in the 1990s. I was single at the time of this incident and living in an old cottage in Melling which is situated between Magull, Aintree and Kerber. And it's fairly rural in some parts of the village. And from the back windows of the cottage, I had a clear view westwards, out towards the coast, across the fields towards Magull. About four or five occasions, I saw what I can only describe as a searchlight beam, and it would be panning the skies over in the west. It looked just like the searchlights that you see in World War II films. This perplexed me as it was, what could it have been? I mean, you do see the odd lights in the sky and it's easy to get confused. And for example, I saw some laser lights from Blackpool and they filled me for a while as to their origin. When I first saw them from the same location and then I realised what they were. This was very different. They were in a different direction. They had a full beam and they moved only slowly as if looking for aeroplanes in the night sky like a searchlight would. When I later looked at an ordinary service map, I thought they might be coming from the general direction of an army cadet training course camp. There's one over in Altcar. But I couldn't really believe that they would be using searchlights in this day and age. Quite by chance, at a later day, I got talking to someone who was involved in that camp and I asked if they had such a thing as searchlights and I was assured that they most certainly did not. And here's where it gets really odd. On one afternoon in the same location in which I'd seen the lights in the night sky, I saw what I can only describe as a black beam of light and it was reaching up into the sky. I know that sounds ridiculous. How can light be black? But I saw it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it was diffused in shape as it reached up skywards in exactly the same way as a searchlight would be in the night sky. It was there for ages. And I don't think I saw it disappear. I think I just stopped watching it and went indoors. The only way I can describe it is, if you imagine an old black and white negative strip from a camera where the light would appear black, then it was like that. It didn't disturb me, it was just very odd. I never saw the daytime light again, and I don't think I saw the nighttime cert lights after that either, if I remember correctly. I wondered if the light lamp we're seeing was matter of some kind rather than light. I don't know of any other explanation for black light. Um, Can light be black? I mean, I've heard that if it's polarised, it would appear black. Um, But I don't know. I mean, maybe some of you guys have the answer for that. As you can imagine, I take and share hundreds of reports over the year. And you'd think I've heard of every creature, myth and legend known to man. And that isn't the case. And sometimes even I am stumped and I have to start from square one, hunting for anything I can find that might give me a hint or a clue on where to go next. This next report came to me in exactly those circumstances. Did they see a periton creature in Richmond Park? Hi Deb, hope you're well. Both myself and my husband have been getting into your podcast and we're really enjoying it. I particularly enjoyed your episode featuring the faceless man as this resonated with some experiences that I have had during childhood and adulthood. I'd like to take the opportunity to share two experiences which I've never spoken about with anyone but my husband, but I felt drawn to tell you about them. About 10 years ago, I was walking my dog in Richmond Park in the Surrey, London border. My lovely staffy Lucia had taken me into a wild and remote section of the park off the beaten track as she was chasing squirrels. The park is known for herds of roaming red deer, but what I came upon did not seem of this world and I'm still trying to figure out what I saw to this day. 
Maybe you're able to shed some light on this. My dog was sniffing at what at first appeared to be a dead, premature white fawn. And what was strange was that Lucia would often eat carrion, but this time she just seemed hesitant. This was also the rutting season, not the birthing season for deer. And although there can be albino deer, they're very rare. I kept thinking of any logical reason for this and just wasn't able to come up with any. Upon a closer look, it looked like the creature had wings. It had lost a significant amount of its flesh on the wings and body, possibly by a fox, and that revealed a complex wing structure. The wing structure kind of resembled that of a bird. Upon sharing this experience with my husband, we researched it and came across a mythical creature called a periton. And I wonder if you or any of your listeners have had similar sightings. So if you have, please get in touch. Um, or if you know possibly what this creature could be, if there's an explanation for it, um, drop a comment uh, down below or get in touch with me by email. Now, I had to admit defeat, as I've never taken a report of a periton creature. I've taken a winged humanoid reports and bat-like creatures and half humans, half deer, half men, half horse, but never a deer-like creature with wings. That doesn't mean they're not out there. It just means I've never taken a report of one. Now, there is a report from the north-west coast of England that's another that I have no understanding of, and it happened not too far from me in May of 2005. Now, this beast was as tall as a Labrador dog with big loping ears. It was said to have a large mouth. Its coat was said to be light in colour. And it moved with a lolloping gait. And it had mystified residents of the heavily wooded Green Drive area in the Lancashire town of Lytham. Over 20 witnesses have reported seeing the animal, which some describe as the Hound of the Baskervilles. It was also described as an overground hare, a werewolf. One chap even likened it to Bigfoot. Sandra Sturrock stated, When I was out walking on the dunes opposite the King Edward and Queen Mary School, I caught sight of something large, collie-sized, I thought, light in colour, with sticking up ears. It was sitting high up on one of the dunes, watching me and my dog. I stood still for several minutes desperately trying to adjust my eyes to see it more clearly. But unfortunately, there was no moon out that night. Now let's leave Lancashire and pop over the hill to uh, Yorkshire. In our next few reports, we will be in the Yorkshire area, which I'm sure you will know by now, is known for its dogmen and werewolf reports. And I've had a recent report come in that happened in the 1990s. Um, I was recently in contact with a gentleman who had his own experience on the Isle of Skye with a creature that he just couldn't name. He said whilst discussing what happened with his friend, he was surprised when his friend shared his own terrifying experience. He said, I've only started questioning what I saw after discussion with my friend who's from Skelton in Cleveland on the northeast coast. I've been good friends with Kev for over 10 years now. And it took him a long time to confide and tell me about what he'd experienced driving late one night. In the 1990s, he was returning home from Whitby, which is in North Yorkshire, 
We've been to his girlfriend's house. It was about 9pm, he said. And he's on the Skelton to Cleveland Road, distance about 35 miles, the A171, as they call it, the Moors Road. He said he was chased by, in his words, a werewolf. This creature was running on the road behind him and then, to his horror, it caught up with him and moved alongside his car as he was driving. He said the beast was running on two legs. It was upright and he felt it was intent on catching him. Now, he only managed to get away by accelerating to 70 miles an hour. And this experience has really left an unmistakable scar on his life. And he was very upset whilst telling me about this encounter. He spoke to other friends afterwards and he was ridiculed. And that in turn deeply upset him too. To the point now where he doesn't tell anyone about the night anymore. I've asked him to talk to people like yourself, Deb, about the encounter. But all to no avail. I think he's trying to erase or forget about the incident completely. It's quite normal for some people. It's a natural defence mechanism to just try and put the incident behind you. Because can you imagine? It's only half nine at night. You're in the car. You've got to drive somewhere. It's dusky. It's dark. Maybe worried about a deer running out across the road or, you know, a rabbit or a hare or something like that. And something comes running up behind you on two legs that looks like a werewolf. And the next thing you know, it's keeping up with the car. How would you, you know, what would you do? What would your next move be? Now, I'm not so sure if this is the strange creature, the same creature. Not really sure. A strange black creature moving at speed. Did it try and get my dog? This happened in 2019. And the witness said, I've just discovered you and your fantastic podcast. And I want to tell you of a strange thing that happened in Bishop's Wood in Selby, North Yorkshire. I've walked in this woodland for nine years with my black Labrador. It's a fairly large wood, lots of pathways leading all over. I've gotten lost in there several times before, but we've always found our way out eventually, and I've always felt fine there. On this particular day in 2019, my dog and I were walking one of our regular routes. All was quiet. My dog was walking about 10 metres ahead of me, sniffing at everything as she went along. I was just slowly walking, just focusing on her. There was no one around. And as we approached a turn into the left, something that was black in colour literally took off at great speed into the trees. And it was far too fast to make out what it was, even though I had a pretty clear view into the woods and the undergrowth. It had vanished. It was large, a lot bigger than my Labrador. I thought maybe it was a large deer, but I honestly have never seen a black deer. I don't even know if black deer exist. This thing was jet black and moved like nothing I'd ever seen before. It was like lightning. This thing must have been hiding and watching my dog go past. My dog never saw it. My dog didn't hear it. And then when I got there, it clearly did not want to be seen. Was this thing preparing to pounce and attack my dog, not knowing I was walking up just metres away? If this was a black deer, which I really doubt it was, it would have run off as soon as it saw my dog. If it was a really big black dog, why didn't it just run up and greet my dog or me? That's the usual behaviour for dogs. There was no other people around. 
No one with a dog. No, in my opinion, this thing was hiding and then it took off when it saw a human. This experience has stayed with me. It frightened me. So I never walk on my own there anymore. It's funny how things that don't seem normal never leave you, isn't it? I just wish I had a better description for you. Have you ever seen footage of a black flying humanoid? But it just looks like something black, but you can't figure it out. It kind of reminded me of those. It was just very weird. And as you see, Yorkshire is a bit of a hotspot for canine creatures. Don't let that fill you into a state of comfort, though, as Yorkshire is also renowned for paranormal reports, UFO, supernatural events. They're all there. And our next report is a good example of this. I was contacted by a witness who wanted to explain an experience that had happened when they lived in their old house in Staithes near Whitby. And they said, I was sitting in the dining room and I saw an apparition of a man in like sailor's uniform clothes. He was smoking a cigar and he had a triangle pointed hat that was a greenish colour. And we often smell cigar smoke there. And you could hear walking up and down the stairs when I was alone. At first, no one believed me until my wife saw our cupboard doors open on their own and the baby's rattles spun without ever being touched. And the dog would act strange. We did video it, but it got lost over the years and several house moves. A few years later, when the house was sold, we came to find out that the house was built by a sea captain and I feel that this explained my sighting of the sailor in the hat. The second strange experience happened when I was driving between Wakefield and Barnsley on the M1. It was around 6am and I was going to work. I saw a silver metallic ball in the sky approximately 100 feet away from me and about 15-20 feet in radius and then it just vanished. I only managed to see it for 5 or 10 seconds and it was also reflecting off the sun. I did report it to a UFO group, but no one else reported it. Now, it would seem, no matter where you live in the UK, there is a strange experience or an unexplained event that has happened to someone who, like us, was just going about their daily routine. From Land's End to Johnny Groats in the UK is filled with the most fabulous history and lore. Let's move south and hear a report from the Surrey area. Witness report, Simon. My name's Simon and I grew up in South London. And from a very early age, I love the outdoors. Some of my earliest memories are of camping in the garden with my dad in his old army tent and we'd eat beans cooked in a mess tin. I was always outdoors playing with friends and I'd only come home when it started to get dark, as did many kids in the 70s and 80s. When this happened, it was 1989 and I was 16 and still an outdoors type, being a venture scout and in the army cadets. My weekends were spent doing one of a huge variety of activities revolving around that and also the usual teenage stuff. One thing I did like to do was wild camp with a couple of my mates from both groups that I belonged to. I guess some people will think that they wouldn't let a 16-year-old out doing that with only a couple of mates for company. But you must understand, it was 30 years ago and the world was a different place. 
It was a Saturday. Three of us had planned to go bivvying in a place called Shea in Guildford. Me and a mate called Paul were giving a lift to a car park on the edge of the woodland by his parents. And we then walked into the area. We planned to camp out, which was only a couple of miles in. We had been there before quite a few times. Everything was good. We wandered about, climbing a few trees and generally liked some out as only lads do. And as the evening came on, we set up our bivvy, which was a simple lean-to affair, just a camo sheet over us and some sides made from branches. We chose a spot that looked out over an area that had dense trees behind and to the sides. We watched the rabbits in the open areas. It got dark, drank tea and scoffed all the food we brought with us. Went to bed. During the night, something changed. We heard all the usual woodland sounds, including a screaming vixen. She was making an ungodly sound. They like to seem to enjoy that. And then it went silent. Silent as if it was palpable. After this came an experience that has troubled me for 30 years. Footsteps. I don't mean delicate animal pitter-patter. I mean heavy, slow, deliberate steps in the woods. Behind us, approaching our camp. Next came the smell. Rotten, smelly, stagnant water. So the two of us were lying there looking at each other with a look of, what the is that? Over the next couple of hours, this thing circled us in the pitch blackness. At one point, we bravely, I thought, went to investigate with our torches in hand and found absolutely nothing. As soon as we moved, it all stopped. And then it started again when we were back in the shelter. After that little venture, out came the grunting and growling. And this I can only describe as the most bowel loosening sound I have ever heard. There is no one that will ever persuade me that this was made by either a human or an animal. It's not an animal I've heard before or since. And I've heard many, and I know what a deer bark sounds like. This was the deep bellow of this noise. It must have been made by something big, and I mean big. The hours from then until an hour or so before daylight were the longest of my entire life. I had the urge to run, and yet not being able to do so, because I was terrified. He was terrified. This thing stayed 20 to 30 feet away at all times, and neither of them saw it once. It just circled, breathed walked, grunted and stunk. The next morning, we packed up camp and went to wait for my mum and stepdad to pick us up from the car park and we went home. Neither of us mentioned it to them. We didn't really talk about it between ourselves. In fact, we drifted apart and within a couple of months, we stopped talking. We've never spoken since. This was a friend I'd had all through school. We sat together in class for years I don't think either of us could face the other one, as we both knew the truth. I now live in a different part of the country, and I still camp out when I can, but I've never stopped thinking about that night in 1989. Oh, can you imagine that? Being in your tent and having to put up with that for hours and hours. I know there's a witness in uh, Delamere Forest had to do the same thing. It must have been absolutely terrifying. 
I just wish I could give people comfort by saying, move here. Nothing strange happened in this location, but it's impossible. Wherever you go, you will hear folk or modern day renderings or strange law of strange activity. And it's the same the world over. It's all there if you just look beneath the surface. Another witness contacted me and said, Good morning, Deborah. As promised, here's an outline of the sighting my husband and I had a few years ago. We were travelling out to Suffolk to visit my parents and it was early morning, it's about 1am. If my memory serves me correctly, we were approaching the outskirts of Cambridge and directly in front of us, up above the night clouds, we both observed a huge rectangular object. It was red and orange in colour and must have been around three to 4,000 feet up. It looked to be the size of at least a football field, half a football field. We slowed down, luckily, and there was no traffic to observe this thing. The clouds were moving slowly, so it was difficult to see if the object was moving. And back in those days, we didn't have a mobile phone, a dash cams. It was really difficult to explain what it looked like. And as we moved on again, I could see it from the passenger window and it was moving towards the east. Um, until cloud cover made it impossible for me, for me to see. At that time, I was employed as a senior nurse and my husband's ex-armor. So we're both used to observing things correctly. We followed the news in the passing days, hoping to see some mention of the object, but nothing appeared. I can't see that we were the only folk to observe it. We have often talked about the object and wondered what it was and why it was there. Another mystery, but the memory that remains is as clear today as it was at that time. I hope that maybe we were privileged to see something extraordinary and unexplainable. Have you heard of anything similar? The object looked to be relatively flat from our viewpoint. No markings, no trail, but moving purposely. I think most of us, when we think of a UFO, picture the typical saucer-shaped object or a black triangle. But to be fair, the descriptions come in all shapes and sizes. I spoke to one chap this week who saw lights that tumbled over and over in the night sky as if a black dice was rolling above him, is how he described it. Each light being a dot on the dice. I've heard witnesses describe crafts as big of, as big as football pitches or like a tower block in the sky. They come in cigar shapes and squares and egg shapes and all manner of strange UFO. Is that the right word to use? I'm not sure. One gentleman who had his own experiences with witnesses to the UFO and UAPs, is a chap called Neil Cotting. And Neil has investigated and he's requested a number of freedom of information reports from the government many, many times. And he knows just how hard it can be to pry any information out of the tight grasp of the powers that be. And it was Neil who got the Freedom of Information Act figures for... Kind of chase and 12 werewolves had been reported to the police. Now, Neil said, It was whilst I was researching a UFO incident report with a witness late one night in a field in Mare Hay, Ripley, and we both got growled at by something huge. It was hidden in a corn crop and it was just a few feet from us, and this growl was more baritone than a lion's roar. 
We both looked at each other and then ran back towards safety. This sparked my interest in cryptids right there and then. Whatever this thing was, dogman is my best guess, he said. It certainly wasn't anything that is a typical natural native species to the UK. Well, it might be native, he said, to the UK, but what he means is that it's not scientifically identified and that it's not an accepted animal that we know of. It wasn't a badger, a fox, a bull, dog, monk, jack, deer, anything else like that, he said. The growl was simply too loud and deep. It felt bigger than a lion. The growl reverberated in our chest and it shook our bones loose. My legs went weak and we inexplicably ran away. We laughed at the same time, even though we were terrified. It makes me think that some sort of infrasound hit us. It just wasn't normal. I have spoken to many people who've been zapped or hit with a burst of infrasound. They speak about going weak at the knees, of having raging headaches and sickness and dizziness. And in some cases, people say they completely blacked out. I worked on one case in Scotland last year where the chap heard something moving behind his van. He's a van dweller who packs up wherever he wants to for the night as he lives in his van on a permanent basis. He described hearing footsteps approaching the van. He then heard sniffing, almost dog-like, and he got up to look out of the window. Before he could move the window blind, he was hit with a wave that he described as like a typhoon of energy. He dropped to his knees and he was sick. Thankfully, after a few minutes, that feeling dissolved and he gathered himself and drove out of the dark lanes and into a supermarket some 20 miles away. Many years ago, I used to Skype um, to chat with fellow researchers across the world about Bigfoot. And I found a cool bunch uh, who were made up of Americans and Canadians and some Australians, most of which had had a Bigfoot or a Yowie sighting. And they were just teamed up looking for answers really online ever since, like myself. One chap was called Hank Spearman. He was lovely. He was a Native American man from Ohio. And I remember that he had a pack of wolves um, and he tamed them and they lived on his property. And Hank would research Bigfoot close to home as he was acres from any neighbour. One day Hank discovered a cave opening he'd never really noticed before. Without thinking, he set off to walk right towards it. And he told me himself he had no recollection of moving away. But he came to in a ditch. He couldn't move his arms or his legs. He felt sick as a dog. And it felt the same, even when he got home. We'd chat with him most nights and we watched as he got sicker and sicker. And within a year, he had passed with a blood disorder. The doctors could not name nor cure. And men had no real understanding of what to do to help him. And if you guys are out there, Pen, Ref, Rog, Tina and Rocket, I think of you guys often and I hope you're all well. All of the reports that you've heard are puzzling and confusing and sometimes downright terrifying. In our next report, you will hear just what it's like to dream a consistent and very lucid experience. The dream is so bad, it never leaves you. In fact, it leaves you confused, upset, gives you the fear of sleeping, and just in case it happens again. Hi, Debbie. I really don't know where to start. So I'll tell you about my most recent experience. One night in March 2020, 
I woke up in the middle of the night around 1, 2am. I had an overwhelming feeling of fear. I couldn't shake it. I felt like someone was in our house and something was wrong. I really felt terrified. My first instinct was, oh my God, my kids. And then I noticed our bedroom was pitch black, which is very unusual for us. Normally, I have the TV on in our room all night with the volume down low. I don't like to sleep without the TV on. So I sat up fast in my bed and went to grab the sky control from between me and my husband. That's where I always leave them. It's something I do every night. I wanted to get some light in the room to see where I was going to get the bedroom light on, which was at the other end of the room. I wanted to check the house for intruders or just peace of mind. I've had weird feelings or I can sense things sometimes when others don't. And this has happened my entire life. Just as I grabbed the TV remote, everything changed. Almost like a glitch. It was like I blinked and I found myself laying down in bed again. But now I'm on my left hand side facing towards my partner. But I couldn't see him. And I was in a room I didn't recognise. It was dimly lit and the light was almost rose coloured. I could see detail on the ceiling or what I took to be the ceiling. I tried to sit up again, but I was frozen. I couldn't move a thing. I could only move my eyes. I looked up to my right where I noticed a pale sort of off-white coloured hand that had four very long, thin fingers that were above my head. And then the hand pulled away from me quickly. I freaked out. I tried to scream for my partner again, but I couldn't get any words out. More and more panic set in as I continuously attempted to scream for help. And then I looked towards my feet and I saw a small, thin, humanoid figure with black eyes looking at me. I couldn't see any clothing on it, her, him. The humanoid felt as if it was female, but that's just the feeling I got from it. And this scared me even more. On seeing this being, humanoid thing at my feet, I tried to scream more and louder, but I couldn't get a word out or move a muscle. Like before, I could only move my eyes. Then, all I remember was opening my eyes again and seeing my partner back beside me in bed and in the bedroom. I looked at the time and it was 6.15am. I told my partner what had happened and I also told my father. And they both felt maybe I was dreaming or maybe I was suffering with sleep paralysis. I've experienced sleep paralysis a couple of times as a child. It's not the same. This experience was different. The whole event felt real and very different. I've explained weird things, experienced them my whole life. I've been able to sense some things that others can't. I know this sounds mad, but it felt real. And it was not a bad dream or sleep paralysis. I drew a sketch of what I saw that night. I still see in that room, clear in my head. I remember all the details on the ceiling. I know many of you will resonate with our witness. Even if the events are not completely the same, many of us have the dream. The terror takes different directions depending on what you fear the most. Those dreams feel dank and foreboding and they stay with you for years and years. It's impossible to shake the essence of them, no matter how hard we try. They are the odd remnant still 
hiding in ourselves, just waiting to be remembered and revisited. Many, many years ago, before anyone had ever heard of the Hat Man or Suit Man or whatever name they give to him now, I would have been about five or six because of the building I was in, I remember, and I had this really awful lucid dream. Um, and it was a long street called Cross Lane, and in the dream, I could see him coming along and he was dragging one of his legs and he had like a like a zoot suit on, uh, like a D-mob suit as he'd call it, where I live. Very wide shoulders on it and a bit of a trilby out, all in black, right? And he had blood dripping down his leg. I remember that the same as anything. And this abject fear that he would get to the front door before I could get there and close it. Now, it would have been locked, you know? Uh, my granddad had a scrap yard, so he wouldn't have been leaving his door open in the middle of the night. But as a child, I remember being so frightened that the next thing I was in the, the hallway, the lobby as we call it, and I was shutting the doors as quick as I could with my mind. But I knew that he was going to get to that door before me. And I can still remember how frightening that experience was and how frustrated I was the next day when the adults wouldn't believe me. And I kept saying, but it wasn't a dream, it was real. And it was really strange because it was only about three or four nights later. Um, in the older days, I had this bad habit of keeping your keys on a string <laughs> on your door underneath your letterbox. And we were all asleep at night and uh, someone put their hand through the letterbox to try to get into the house. Now, I don't know if those events are linked in any way I can't really tell you but I do remember being ashamed of being frightened so it was something I wanted to discuss and you know as I said it's impossible to shake those dreams we can't really do anything about them but what we can do is give ourselves a break and take off some pressure I have to remind myself daily that I am not responsible for the things that happen I never wished to be walking up every night, fighting and screaming with things around my bed. I feel guilty for allowing the experience to get to me. I rebuke myself for not being braver, you know? It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's okay to be scared by an event that scared you. It's okay to be upset by something trying to kill you with fright. You have the right to feel what you feel when in a possible situation happens to you. And you also have the right to take whatever time you need to come to terms with it. That said, we should also have the right to speak freely with our peers about these horrifying events. No matter what they are, regardless of the name man puts on them, terror is terror and it comes in many forms. If I have my way, we won't be silenced anymore. Until next time. Good night, everyone.
leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.